0: This is the Humanist Report with Mike Figueroa, sponsored by
1: Amazon, Audible, HostGator, GameFly, and supporters of independent media like you. Welcome to the Humanist Report. My name is Mike Figueroa, and this is the 47th episode of the podcast. Today's episode is sponsored by our latest members and Patreon patrons. Today we have Timothy Bingen, who is a new VIP member. We also have Dasha, who signed up on Patreon to support the show as well as Joan S., who also signed up to support us on Patreon, and then we also have Dylan K., who is a new member. So, thank you to everyone. If you too would like to support the podcast, you can visit the links down below in the description box, or you can whitelist us on Adblock. But, as long as you're watching, that's all I care about. So, uh, <laughs> this is the first episode that I am filming with braces in my mouth. So last week Friday, as you all know, I had Tim Black fill in for me because I had oral surgery and I was hopped up on pain med. So I didn't want to have to worry about editing a video or anything like that. So I had him film and uh, I had my, uh, one of my teeth extracted and it was supposed to be a simple procedure, but it was very complicated. So I ended up having to get stitches. It came out in multiple pieces. So I have stitches right now going from my gums down to underneath my tongue. And so it's making it difficult to talk. I also have, uh, I got braces on my teeth as of Monday and, um, you know, it it looks a little bit goofy. I don't necessarily care so much about that, but what I do really care about is being able to enunciate properly and I feel as though if I can't um, actually speak clearly, then it's going to impact the quality of the show. And even though I'm feeling a little bit better and they're not hurting me as much anymore, I still feel as though like I'm a bit lispy and like my S's and my T's are really hard to pronounce. So if you guys do notice that, just know that I'm dealing with braces. And also, uh, I have these bite blocks on the back of my molars and they prevent my molars from actually touching. And this is because, um, so my front teeth don't hit the braces and either chip my teeth or chip off the braces. So this has been horrible because I can't eat any solid foods. The only thing I've been eating really is... Uh, refried beans with salsa. Uh, I've been eating pancakes and I smother them in syrup that's uh, sugar-free, so it doesn't taste very good, but I don't want to eat a ton of sugar. And also, I've been eating a lot of uh, potato and broccoli soup. And look, <laughs> it's it's tough. Um, so, that, uh, these bite blocks, they're called turbos, they're actually also hindering me from speaking properly. So, I have no idea how much of, much of this will actually show up uh, or be picked up by the microphone. To me, it's it's very conspicuous, but I have no idea how this will come across on camera. So that's why I decided to kind of speak about this separately because I think that, you know, if th- this is something that could potentially impact the quality of the show, then I need to talk about it. You guys probably can't see the braces very well because I do have wax on them right now because I feel like it makes it a little bit easier to talk that way uh, because they're not like cutting, a, not cutting, but rubbing against my lip. So there you have it, you know, um, they'll be on anywhere between 10 to 15 months and you, you know, it, it sucks, but short-term pain for a long-term payoff, in my opinion. So it's worth it. Uh, and look, I'm just genuinely excited because I had really bad crowding on my bottom teeth. It was very obvious. Uh, the camera picked up on it and many people commented on it and look, I understand. Yes, I should have gotten this done when I was a child, but my parents couldn't afford it. Uh, and now that I'm an adult, I'm getting it done. I wanted to get this done now for years before I started teaching, before I started doing a podcast. But, you know, that isn't the way that things worked out. So, look, hopefully this won't impact the quality of the show. Hopefully it won't impact my speech too much. I Again, I have no idea how this is going to sound on camera. But, you know, just to give you guys a forewarning, if you hear me uh, speaking kind of odd or if you hear me sounding lispy, It's because I'm trying to get used to all this crap in my mouth that I feel like I just want to rip out because it just feels unnatural because it is. But, you know, we're dealing with it, and... In the end, I'm really excited about it, so um, hopefully it won't hinder the quality. So anyways, on today's episode, I'm going to share my thoughts about the Orlando shooting and discuss the politicians and how on both sides of the aisle, they pretended to care about gay people after the Orlando shooting, and a prime example of that will be Clinton and Trump, and they actually sparred over who's better on LGBT rights. I'll weigh in on that. Also, I'll discuss the election fraud lawsuit brought on by the Institute for American Democracy and Election Integrity, and additionally, I'll discuss how Guccifer, the 2.0 hack of the DNC, confirms what we already knew. The DNC is colluding with Clinton's campaign. Also, the WikiLeaks founder, Julian Assange, claims that he'll be dropping a bombshell that is sure to damage Hillary's uh, credibility, uh, or what's left of it. Now also, Bernie Sanders refuses to concede and drop out after the DC primary. And finally, I'll tackle the question as to which candidate between Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump is worse for the country. So all these topics and more will be discussed. Stick around. Hope you guys enjoy the episode. It's going to be a bit shorter than usual because I'm, I'm not feeling too good, obviously. Um, so hopefully it's still enjoyable. So even though there's been rampant election fraud this primary season, there have been few media outlets that actually wanted to discuss it in detail. So for those of you who have been screaming about election fraud, you should now feel vindicated because the Institute for American Democracy and Election Integrity, a nonprofit organization, will be filing a racketeering lawsuit over election fraud. So they explain the integrity of this November's election may be of serious concern. Here in the United States, all of our votes are counted by private corporations with proprietary software which they do not want people to examine if there is a problem with the election. These problems could include unwarranted purging of voters, apparent flipping of votes, disappearing of a candidate while voting and disappearing of votes. An examination of Scheidel and So and ES&S, two vote counting companies, shows many negative reviews regarding their management of elections. Now the primary bit of evidence that they're using is the exit polls. Now it's very common for exit polls, like all polls, to be inaccurate. But the problem is that there are many exit polls this cycle that are outside of the margin of error. Now, anytime there are plus or minus more than two percentage points outside of the margin of error, that is cause for concern. And the fact that this occurred numerous times is very worrying. Now, what's even more suspicious is that once people started to realize the inaccuracy of the exit polls, well, they just canceled exit polls in some states. So they write, "Concern has been expressed that the exit polls of the Democratic primaries for this year, when compared to electronic voting machine totals, seem to show a pattern that might suggest that the electronic vote totals in 11 states may have shifted votes from Sanders to Clinton. In contrast to other nations, exit polls used currently by the federal government to assess election fraud in other countries are adjusted continuously on election day to match electronic voting machine totals rather than to determine whether the elec electronic vote is accurate. Now according to Stephen Spoonamore, who is a cybersecurity expert, uh, when exit poll data varies more than 2% from electronic vote totals, the electronic vote totals are questionable. In fact, 2% is used as the boundary by the US government when determining that the election in another country other than the US has possibly been stolen. Please note the exit poll differences up above are more than 2%. These differences point to questionable results for the electronic vote totals. Now, for example, as you see here, discrepancies in favor of Clinton, in some cases, you have nearly 12 points, nearly 14 point discrepancies in Georgia and Alabama, respectively that are in favor of Hillary Clinton. Now you can see these at TrustVote.org. Now the overall goal of the lawsuit is to compel states to actually release exit polls and they also want to audit the election results. So here's a video of one of the lawyers explaining their goal. And we
0: will be going into court with a demand to inspect the ballots. We will digitally photograph the ballots and then we will have ballots, we can count them, we can do it publicly. Everybody can observe or participate. You want to recon them yourself? To check it. We'll have them. The, the, the fix is on. They've done it. They've done it. They've stolen again, 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 again. They're serial uh, uh, vote thieves. And we've got the evidence. We've got the know-how. We've got the experts. We've got the mechanism of courts that understand the problem, and we're going after it.
1: Now, in total, there are three lawyers involved. So, there is Bob Fitrackis, Cliff Arnimbeck, and Lori Grace. And these individuals also battled against election fraud in 2012 and shined a light on the Republicans who tried to hack precincts in Ohio. Now, they contend that typically when we see really fishy results, it usually favors Republicans, uh, which they call the redshift. But now, we are seeing these results favor Hillary Clinton. Now, the voting machines that we use that are owned by private corporations are easily hackable. If you watch Debbie, the same progressive, then she's been talking about this for months. Now since these voting machines are easily hackable, there are many European countries That have banned them. So, Newsweek explains. After almost two years of deliberations, Germany's Supreme Court ruled in March that e voting was unconstitutional because the average citizen could not be expected to understand the exact steps involved in the recording and tallying of votes. Political scientist Joachim Weisner and his son Ulrich, a physicist, filed the initial lawsuit and have been instrumental in raising public awareness of the insecurity of electronic voting. The Dutch public interest group, We Do Not Trust Voting Machines, produced a video showing how quickly the NetApp machines could be hacked without voters or election officials being aware the answer was five minutes now after the clip was broadcasted on national television in october of 2006 the netherlands banned all electronic voting machines and we should have done the same so in 2008 there were reports in certain precincts that when you voted for obama your vote flipped to mccain and in 2012 well it was supposed to be the case that certain precincts in ohio would flip to romney when you voted for obama But the lawyers, who uh, shined a spotlight on that, explained what happened. And,
0: And election night, the FBI was in the Secretary of State's office. All right. The FBI probably also had wiretaps. 2012. 2012. All right. So on election night, Karl Rove is on Fox News. They call the election in Ohio for Obama. And Karl Rove says, wait a minute. All the votes aren't in yet. You're, it's premature, and he basically goes into a fight with with the Fox News people, okay. and their experts come out and say, no, Carl, we looked at it, the numbers, are and here's what's the real story, and it's written up in Washington Spectator, that that no one told Carl that the fix was off because the scrutiny was on.
1: Now, the lawyers have yet to release all of the information related to the case, and they probably can't because the lawsuit is pending. But the real question is, will this actually make a difference? And the problem is that even if they really do have the evidence on their side like they contend, well, they probably don't have time on their side because the Democratic National Convention in Philadelphia will be occurring at the end of July. That is a little over a month away. So even if somehow this goes through... Uh time's running out. Now the thing that's complex and that makes rampant electric fraud possible is because if you see something that's suspicious, well you have to investigate it and file a lawsuit in that particular state. So if you see one precinct that looks really fishy, well, unless you want to file a lawsuit in that state, then you're gonna have a difficult time doing anything about it. So if you see precincts everywhere popping up with different cases of election fraud, Again, it's really difficult to do anything, so these guys are really doing a public service by dedicating their time to prevent election fraud from occurring. So, But even if it's the case that it's too late and the lawsuit won't matter in the grand scheme of things, the best thing that we can do is still spread this information because people need to know about it. It's not conspiratorial to talk about election fraud. It's happening, and there are reasons why European countries do not allow these types of voting machines that are easily hackable in their countries. It's because they're easily hackable, and in fact, they're more hackable than mobile phones. That's pretty scary. The lawyers aren't necessarily contending that Clinton is behind all of this, but many of the shifts that they're seeing are directly benefiting her and hurting Bernie Sanders. So in the end, there's a lot of questions that are still out there. Hopefully we'll find out soon once the evidence is released, but in the end, I don't necessarily know that we will have time for this to make a difference. And if so, that's really sad. WikiLeaks previously published an archive of Hillary Clinton's emails and its founder, Julian Assange, claims that the next batch of leaked emails they plan to release will be so damning to Hillary Clinton that the FBI will be able to recommend an indictment based on that alone. Now, contrary to how damning the emails will be, Julian Assange states that he does not believe that the Justice Department will actually pursue charges against Hillary Clinton, even if it's the case that the FBI does recommend an indictment. So. WikiLeaks founder Julian Assange says his organization's upcoming leak of more Hillary Clinton emails should be enough to indict her, but doubts the FBI will do so. Now, just to pause here, the FBI can't actually indict anyone. They could only recommend an indictment and it's up to the Justice Department to pursue the indictment. But anyways, he continues. We have upcoming leaks in relation to Hillary Clinton, he said. We've accumulated a lot of material about Hillary Clinton. We could proceed to an indictment, Assange said. However, that in his opinion, the FBI would choose not to indict her in hopes of gaining favor with a Clinton administration. The FBI could push for concessions from the new Clinton government, he said. But there's very strong material both in the emails and in relation to the Clinton Foundation. Now, Assange himself states, Attorney General Loretta Lynch is not going to indict Hillary Clinton. It's not possible that could happen. See, in a democracy, our elected officials are actually supposed to be accountable to us. And part of that is having transparency. And Hillary Clinton has proven that she is one of the least transparent politicians ever. Now, we have to rely on these outside organizations like WikiLeaks to actually give us transparency, what we deserve in the first place because we live in a goddamn democracy. It's so infuriating to me that people still vote for Hillary in spite of the fact that she lacks accountability on so many levels, in spite of the fact that she tries to shirk transparency in order to get away with corruption. It's not right. So anyways, to give you guys some details about WikiLeaks, so they've leaked 30,322 emails from Clinton's private email server already. That was in the first archive. Uh, And what's great is that He actually exposed Obama as a hypocrite. Now, the way that he did this is, uh, well, in the last batch of emails, it revealed that Clinton actually instructed a staffer to send classified information through a non-secure channel, yet Obama still decided to endorse Hillary Clinton in spite of the fact that he's actually prosecuted lower-level government officials for mishandling classified information. Now, if you talk to anyone who had actual access to classified information, they would say that if they did this, well, they would not get away with it. They would be in jail if they did what Hillary Clinton did. It just proves that the public officials who are rich and powerful, they really can get away with literally anything, and it's so infuriating. So I do think that it's highly unlikely that the Justice Department would actually pursue an indictment, but whether or not the FBI recommends an indictment is a different story. I think that the chances of that happening are actually pretty high, and even that alone could actually impact the race. So if they recommend an indictment, of Hillary Clinton, uh, well, this is just bad in general, public opinion will automatically shift against Hillary Clinton, including some of her supporters, perhaps, but who knows because they are sheep and they follow her no matter what she does, Uh, and in spite of the fact that she's done so much corrupt things so far, but nonetheless, it could be detrimental to her campaign if she is indicted or if the FBI recommends an indictment before the election or before the convention, that is. So in terms of odds, I don't know what the odds are that they will actually recommend an indictment, but I would not be surprised if they did. Given the evidence that I've reviewed and I've spent hours going over the evidence and going over the types of lawsuits that they could potentially pursue against Hillary Clinton, it's just crazy how uh, so many people voted for Hillary Clinton in spite of this fact. And it really, you know, it's an indictment on the media. Uh, It just shows that, you know, if you're in bed with the media outlets and your parent companies want Hillary Clinton to get in and they donate to her, well, then you can get away scot-free with doing corrupt things. Now, what is he going to reveal? Last week, uh, I covered a story about how the Clinton Foundation, well, it's overwhelmingly corrupt. It's basically a shill charity organization. It's an organization that uses the guise of charity, but it's actually a corruption machine for the Clintons. And while she was Secretary of State, she gave special deals two foreign countries who donated to the Clinton Foundation. So if anything were to pop up that was really damaging, it would be this because that would be undeniable proof that she's done these quid pro quo exchanges, which are illegal. So even though we allow our public officials to get away with bribes, well, we at least prohibit them from participating in these types of direct exchanges where you say, uh, if you donate X amount of money, I will give you this weapon deal. That's not allowed, but if this reveals that, then, yeah, the FBI can very well recommend an indictment. Now, I don't think he isn't even has to release this information. I think there's enough evidence already to indict her based on Clinton Foundation corruption. But again, we have to wait and see. I don't know what he's waiting for, but if he's going to release it, he should probably do it before the convention. I don't necessarily know that he cares if Bernie Sanders gets in because he's not an American. He's not going to be voting. But. Again, Assange, release it now. What are you waiting for? We want to see what's in the emails. We deserve to know. And also, thank you for uh, perpetuating democracy and holding our elected officials accountable. But in spite of that fact, I do have to say officially that The Humanist Report does not condone hacking. (laughs) I'm not going to be held liable for anything. But in the end, I think that this is great what he's doing. The Democratic National Committee has confirmed that it has been hacked. Now, the individual who is taking responsibility for this hack goes by the handle of Guccifer 2.0, and according to the Washington Post, a cybersecurity firm believes Russia is behind the attack. Now, the hacker released the donor list for the DNC, and this individual also confirmed that the DNC has been colluding with the Clinton campaign From the very beginning. An internal memo leaked by Guccifer shows how the DNC was trying to help Hillary Clinton's campaign. It reads, our goals in the coming months will be to frame the Republican field and the eventual nominee early and to provide a contrast between the GOP field and HRC, otherwise known as Hillary Rodham Clinton, Over the long term, these efforts will be aimed at getting us the best matchup in the general election and weakening the eventual nominee through the course of the primary. We have outlined three strategies to obtain our goal. First is to highlight when GOP candidates are outside of the mainstream on key issues, ideally driving the rest of the field to follow you with positions that will hurt them in a general. Now, second is to damage Republican presidential candidates' credibility with voters by looking for targeted opportunities to undermine their specific messaging. Three, use specific hits to muddy the waters around ethics, transparency, and campaign finance attacks on Hillary Rodham Clinton. So with that last line there, that's pretty telling because they already knew that we would be criticizing her for her corruption because she takes money from virtually every special interest in existence. Yet they still wanted to push her through. They said right here uh, that they want to provide a contrast between the GOP field and Hillary Rodham Clinton. Are you surprised? (laughs) No, if you're a Bernie Sanders supporter, you're not surprised by this. Now, this has all been incredibly obvious since the beginning, and the DNC chair is supposed to remain neutral, but the current chair Debbie, do anything for Hillary Wasserman Schultz has tipped the scales in favor of Hillary Clinton numerous times. So, there were news reports that showed that she colluded with Hillary Clinton to limit debates in the very beginning because Hillary Clinton and the DNC both agreed that that would help Hillary Clinton. And furthermore, they banned Bernie Sanders' access to Van after a staffer actually accessed Hillary Clinton's voter files that they recommended Bernie Sanders' campaign hire. So, it's been incredibly biased, and they've done everything they can to help Hillary Clinton and hurt Bernie Sanders. So, this confirms what we already knew, but it's nice to have some evidence to back it up. Now, what's also obvious is how the mainstream media has been incredibly biased against Bernie Sanders, and this is because there's an inherent conflict of interest because the parent companies of these mainstream media outlets, MSNBC, CNN, well, their parent companies are some of the largest donors to Hillary Clinton's campaign, and this conflict of interest Is not disclosed and furthermore the intercept revealed that clinton campaign operatives literally on clinton's payroll have been presented as neutral democratic strategists while praising hillary clinton and talking about how bad of a campaign bernie sanders is running and this hack also confirms what we've been yelling about from the very beginning collusion with the media. So, our tactics are working with the DNC and allied groups. We will use several different methods to land these attacks, including reporter outreach, working through the DNC and others. We should use background briefings, prep with reporters for interviews with GOP candidates, off-the-record conversations, and oppo pitches to help pitch stories with no fingerprints and utilize reporters to drive a message. Also, releases and social media. Where appropriate, these attacks can be leveraged for more public release particularly the attacks around specific issues where a public release can point out that the Republicans are outside of the mainstream. Also, bracketing events. Both the DNC and outside groups are looking to do events and press surrounding Republican events to insert our messaging into their press and to force them to answer questions around key issues. We look forward to discussing this strategy further. Our goal is to use this conversation to answer the questions Who do we want to run against and how best to leverage our candidates to maneuver them into the right place? So with this line of text here, we see that they're a little bit more agnostic about who should be the Democratic Party's nominee, but they're directly saying that they want reporters to drive a message. That's not how a democracy is supposed to work. The media is supposed to be independent from government and is supposed to hold politicians accountable, not collude with them. This is insane. So in other words, we should no longer call the Democratic Party the Democratic Party. We should call them the undemocratic party, because that's what they're doing. They are stifling democracy in order to, quote, drive the message home. Here's the thing, the authenticity of these documents cannot be confirmed, but we do know one, that the DNC was hacked, and two, that this isn't necessarily unbelievable. The question, rather, is what can be done, because if it is the case that the DNC did tip the scales in favor of Hillary Clinton, spoiler alert, they did, well then, uh, it proves that our democratic process is a sham. So in case you weren't paying attention like everyone else in the country, the final Democratic primary took place in Washington, D.C., and unfortunately Bernie Sanders lost. So afterwards, he met with Hillary Clinton to discuss the future of the party, and many believed that after this meeting, he would concede and drop out of the race. Not happening, and once again, he reiterated that he will be taking this fight to the convention. He writes, Election days come and go, but political and social revolutions that attempt to transform our society never end. They continue every day, every week, and every month in the fight to create a nation of social and economic justice, Sanders said, speaking in his video address from Burlington, Vermont. That's what the political revolution is about, and that's why the political revolution must continue into the future. So, again, uh, I love what he's saying here. He will remain in the race. He's trying to ensure that the political revolution doesn't die because you have all of these people, millions and millions of people, mobilized right now, and we need real political change. Anyone who denies that is not paying attention or they enjoy the status quo, but unfortunately for you, the status quo is not working out for a lot of us, so we do need fundamental systemic change. And Bernie Sanders is trying to ensure that the revolution and the movement doesn't die with his campaign. And I think this is a phenomenal thing to be doing because in spite of the criticism that he's receiving that many people would not like to receive, he is remaining in the race because he actually cares about these issues. Unlike Hillary Clinton, I do not believe she cares about us. I believe she's running for narcissistic reasons. She will say anything and do nothing. That's what Obama said. And it's one of the most truest things that Obama has ever spoken about, but unfortunately it does characterize Obama as well. But he did say that in spite of who becomes the Democratic nominee, the major political task that we have to face in the next five months is to make certain that Donald Trump is defeated and defeated badly. We cannot have a president who insults Mexicans and Latinos, Muslims, women, and African Americans. And he also said that he would be working with Hillary Clinton to defeat Donald Trump. Now, that's where I kind of take pause. That scares me a little bit because by working with Hillary Clinton to defeat Donald Trump. Um, You know, it's fine if you want to defeat Donald Trump, but by saying that you'll work with Hillary Clinton, that implies that somehow she's a good candidate, that she uh, should be going against Donald Trump, when I don't think that's the case. Hillary Clinton is corrupt, even though Donald Trump is dangerous, and even though, yes, he does insult Mexicans, Latinos, Muslims, women, and African Americans, Hillary's policies have harmed Mexicans, Latinos, Muslims, and African Americans across the country. So, yes, Trump is dangerous, but so is Hillary Clinton. So when you work with her, uh, in a way, you know, you you inadvertently admit that she's a just politician, that what she's doing is right, when in actuality she's corrupt. Now, I can't fault Bernie Sanders for this uh, because, I mean, if you're running, you have to do this. You have to save face. You don't want Donald Trump to to uh, win. And if it is the case that he doesn't work with Hillary Clinton, well, then he's going to be the reason why uh, Hillary Clinton loses, according to everyone else. They're going to blame him, even though Hillary Clinton is a terrible candidate. So if I were Bernie Sanders, I'd probably have to plug my nose and do the same thing. But I know deep down it really is not something that he wants to do. She may be dangerous to a lesser extent than Trump, slightly, but nonetheless, she's still dangerous. Donald Trump says a lot of scary things, Hillary Clinton does a lot of scary things. So, there are some who contend that he's a hypocrite after making this speech because if you really do want to defeat Donald Trump, well, wouldn't you just drop out and allow Hillary Clinton to focus her efforts on Donald Trump? No. Because even if it's the case that Donald Trump is a really dangerous, scary candidate, well, that doesn't mean that you just concede and give up on everything that you've worked for. He's still working to make the Democratic Party more representative of their constituents, and if you give up now, you have no leverage. If you drop out... You have no leverage, and they will not concede to you. They won't give you anything. Here's what people don't seem to understand, namely Hillary Clinton supporters. Our two-party system is slowly but surely becoming a one-party system. We have two parties that are right-wing and moving further and further to the right, and each election cycle, more and more people do not get adequate representation. So there's a lot of people that are conservative in the country, but when you poll voters, a majority are on the side of liberal issues. A majority want free college. A majority want universal health care. So we're not conservative. So when you have these politicians moving to the right... Well, less and less people are represented. Bernie Sanders is trying to bring them back to the left and actually get them to represent liberals and to be a liberal party. So the overall goal of Bernie Sanders is to remain in the race until the convention and remake the party in his image. And that is what we want because Bernie Sanders has the real heart and soul of the Democratic Party. He's someone who is more in line with FDR. And FDR Democrats were very, very popular we actually literally implemented term limits Uh, when FDR was president because he was very popular. He kept winning and winning and winning. So people like FDR's policies. They would like Bernie Sanders' policies. The problem is that the process has been incredibly unfair to Bernie Sanders. Again, uh, the Guccifer hacks proves that the DNC colluded with Hillary Clinton from the beginning. They tried to manipulate the media from the beginning. And this is not surprising to Bernie Sanders supporters, but anytime we talked about this, we were called conspiratorial and Bernie Rose, which is just frustrating because we're pointing out facts and numerous studies have confirmed Actual media bias against Bernie Sanders. So the overall point is that Bernie Sanders has sustained the race because just because Donald Trump is scary, that doesn't mean that you just settle for a neoconservative Democrat. No, he still has to maintain that leverage that he has against the Democratic Party, saying if you do not actually adopt progressive principles you will lose in november so he has two main sets of demands first is electoral reform so that includes abolishing superdelegates and he wants all of the primaries to be open primaries and additionally He wants same-day voter registration. Now, I absolutely love this, but I would add in there to abolish caucuses as well, because even though they help Bernie Sanders, they're inherently undemocratic. Uh, There's supposed to be secrecy when it comes to our ballots. We shouldn't have to declare who we're voting for and then have a debate about it. I get that many people like deliberative democracy, but this leaves a lot of people out, people who are introverted and don't like to discuss their political opinions, people who are disabled and can't stand for long or can't go to these events who are uh, disabled, It's just not democratic, and it limits people from participating. So that's why I think we have to do away with caucuses as well. But when it comes to abolishing superdelegates and having open primaries, I mean, this is a no-brainer. This is an absolute no-brainer. Now, second, he wants the most progressive Democratic Party platform ever. So this includes Democrats not supporting the Trans-Pacific Partnership. Uh, This includes them actually fighting for a $15 minimum wage and fighting for universal health care. Now, if they actually do implement these things into their platform, Um, will that actually change anything? Not really. Maybe it'll change the rhetoric. But do I believe that the Democratic Party, by and large, will go against their corporate donors and actually fight for a $15 minimum wage and go against their uh, health insurance donors and fight for universal health care? No, I don't. But, I mean, what else is he going to fight for? He has to at least try to get them to move in the right direction. It's a reason why... He's been so popular in spite of the lack of media coverage and name recognition so the democratic party if they don't take bernie sanders seriously and actually fight for these things and just try to pay lip service to progressives guess what we're gonna know because we are more politically active we pay more attention to politics than any other constituent that the democratic party has but i i don't think it's gonna do anything even if they do change their party platform uh, but in the end you have to give bernie sanders credit for fighting for this i mean he's in it to the end And he's really proving that he cares about us. He's not in it for himself. So as you all know by now, the deadliest mass shooting in American history took place last Sunday at a gay nightclub called Pulse, and 53 people were injured while 49 people were killed by an individual who I refuse to name because in doing so, I'm giving him exactly what he wants. Fame. Not going to do that. Now, I don't necessarily want to talk about the details of the story because by now, You guys all know the details, but what I want to talk about is the opportunistic politicians that tried to score some political points because of this deadly shooting. So Mike Huckabee, the infamous anti-gay politician, tweeted, Please join Janet and me in praying for the victims of the Orlando attack and their families. Now, just to clarify, Mike, when you say victims, are you talking about the people who you've called an abomination for decades? Is that the victims you're talking about, who you want to pray for now, who suddenly you feel sorry for? I'm just curious. And also, if you're going to pray, why not pray for God to stop this from happening in the first place? Why wait to pray until after it happens? Why not just pray that bad things don't happen? I mean, wouldn't you be more effective if you do believe in prayer that way. It it doesn't make sense to me. Now, also, Ted Cruz tweeted out, Today, all of America stands in solidarity with the people of Orlando. Actually, what he means is that he stands in solidarity with the shooter because not too long ago, Ted Cruz spoke at an anti-gay event where the pastor literally said that gays need to be put to death. So, when Ted Cruz talks about standing in solidarity, He's in solidarity with the religious extremists that carried out this attack. And Hillary Clinton doesn't get a pass either. So uh, she said to the LGBT community, please know that you have millions of allies across the country. I am one of them. Oh, so now you're our ally since you need our votes. But you weren't our ally when we needed you. So a couple years prior, your daughter was getting married and you thought it was perfectly acceptable that she could get married because she's marrying someone of the opposite gender. Yet... You claimed that LGBT people did not deserve the same rights. But now all of a sudden that you need votes, when you decided to come around? Hmm. So are you or aren't you with us? So you don't get to rewrite history and pretend as though you've been there all along, Hillary. We know that you're only pandering to us because you need our votes sickening. Now, Donald Trump tweeted, appreciate the congrats for being right on radical Islamic terrorism. I don't want congrats. I want toughness and vigilance. We must be smart. Oh, don't you worry, asshole. We're not going to take the time to congratulate you. And uh, I'm glad, though, that you had time to stop and gloat after nearly 50 people were killed. This guy is absolutely unbelievable. Stay classy. Now, he also tweeted out, Thank you to the LGBT community. I will fight for you while Hillary brings in more people that will threaten your freedoms and beliefs. Now, just to clarify, when he says he's going to fight for us, what he actually means is he's going to fight against us because he said that he would appoint Supreme Court justices that would overturn the landmark marriage equality ruling. So, he's not going to fight for us. He's fighting against us. He said it not me. So you can keep the pseudo-support, dickhead. We don't want your support, Donald Trump. You're a bigot, and you don't score any points with us because you're pandering to us because you want our votes now. And furthermore, I love how you implied that this was an immigrant who carried out this attack. This individual was born in America. He purchased the gun legally. Now, these are just a few examples of some politicians, mostly anti-gay Republicans, but Democrats as well, who are trying to capitalize on this tragedy. Now, right after Everyone supposedly coalesced around the gay community because everyone is anti-homophobia now. Well, guess what happened? The GOP in the House blocked a bill that would prevent discrimination against the LGBT community. I'm not joking. Now, also, House Speaker Paul Ryan called for a moment of silence, but then refused to discuss legislation That would limit gun violence. So let me get this straight. You all want to take the time to gain some political points off the deaths of LGBT people. But when it comes to actually protecting them, the only thing that you're proposing we should do is be an asshole to Muslims. (laughs) It doesn't make any sense. I don't see where that logic comes from. The guy was on the FBI watch list and he was able to purchase the gun legally. He couldn't fly in a plane if he wanted to, but he could legally purchase a gun. Okay. That makes no sense. If you want to do something, if you really care about gay people like you say you do but you don't, what you should do is ban people who are on the FBI watch list from purchasing guns. That's just the start. That's just common sense right there. But you don't care. You're trying to use Muslims as a scapegoat when we all know that there are Christians who are very much agreeing with this guy. Case in point. The good news is that there's 50 less pedophiles in this world because, you know, these homosexuals are a bunch of disgusting perverts and pedophiles that's who was a victim here are a bunch of just disgusting homosexuals at a gay bar hey are you sad that 50 pedophiles were killed today um no i think that's great i i I think that helps society you know i think orlando florida is a little safer tonight now that 50 you know the tragedy is that more of them didn't die let me just remind you that the united states is the one exception where this occurs all the time mass shootings don't happen in canada And the uk and australia and even the republicans perpetuate the myth that they banned guns in australia after a mass shooting they didn't do that thousands and thousands of people still own guns in australia and guess what happened there hasn't been any mass shootings so yes there are actual steps that we can take we have actual empirical evidence of what policies work but yet These politicians are refusing to act because they are bankrolled by the NRA and they are political cowards. So now there's disagreement about whether this is a hate crime or it was a terrorist attack. Well, it was both. And we can't just have a discussion about guns and not about religion and vice versa. Both of these things are problematic in here. So what would I do? So this is me personally, but... One, I'd start with actually getting common sense gun reform. We don't have to actually repeal the Second Amendment. I don't think anyone on the left is actually proposing that. But what we can do is institute gun reform that we all agree with. 90% of the country want federally mandated universal background checks. Let's start there. That would have prevented the shooter from legally purchasing a gun. Now, second of all, we have to have a discussion about religion. Yes, we can and we should blame religion in this case as well. Now, I'm not going to allow Islam to be the only religion to be scapegoated because there are plenty Christians who are just as radical, who call for the deaths of gay people as is the case in the video that I showed you. So, when we talk about religion, we can't talk about it in a vacuum. We have to talk about all religions. And we can talk about religion, including Islam, in a manner that's productive, that wouldn't create more bigotry against Muslims and religious minorities in other countries as well. Because I think that we should have this. As a society, we have to come together as humans and dump religion once and for all. Would it be the case that this guy uh, maybe wouldn't have carried out the shooting and would have just accepted himself as a homosexual male if it wasn't for religion. I don't know. Would it be the case that federally mandated background checks would have prevented him from buying a gun? I don't know, because he could have alternately purchased firearms illegally. But here's what I do know. These are things that we have to tackle as a species, as a society. So after the Orlando shooting, many politicians have tried to capitalize on the tragedy and tried to score some political points because of it, and Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump are no exception. So as of late, they've been sparring over who would be better for the LGBT community. And for me, I'm just sitting back laughing because this is just... Hilarious. So it all started when Donald Trump claimed that Hillary Clinton was actually less friendly to the LGBT community because she would allow refugees to come into the country who are Muslim who would want to kill LGBT people. Take a look.
0: As far as gays are concerned, okay, think of it. They throw gays off buildings, they kill them. Countries that contribute to her foundation. And she should give all that money back to all these countries. It's it's tens of millions of dollars. So LGBT, the gay community, they kill gays in these countries. And she wants to have a 500 — you know, it's interesting. I've been saying a 500 percent increase, and I was actually corrected. It's 550 percent increase over what Obama's allowing in. So you tell me, who's better for the gay community and who's better for women than Donald Trump? Believe me.
1: So he said, LGBT is starting to like Donald Trump very much lately. I will tell you, starting to like Donald Trump very, very much lately. <laughs> he talks like a caveman. Uh, look, I don't speak for all gay people, but uh, just for me being a member of the LGBT community, I do not like you anymore. In fact, I dislike you very, very much. I won't say I hate you because I think that's a really strong word. I'm a bleeding heart liberal tree hugger. And, I, you know, I don't hate anybody. I feel as though, um, uh, you know, I dislike people, but I wouldn't wish him any ill will or harm. Uh, So I don't I don't like you anymore, Donald Trump. In fact, I dislike you more than ever. So I don't know if many gay people feel this way, but I would suspect that uh, they don't like you. So now Hillary Clinton responded by saying Donald Trump says he's the real friend of the LGBT community. Yeah, no, Uh, except you've claimed that you're a real friend of the LGBT community. And my response is, yeah, no, no, because you're not Hillary. You're, You're you're pandering to gay people. And you're actually fooling a large percentage of them, but I'm not fooled. See, what you've done when you were First Lady is you lobbied for very harmful policies. You fought for DOMA, the Defense of Marriage Act, which banned marriage at the federal level, which thankfully was overturned by the Supreme Court in 2013. You also lobbied for Don't Ask, Don't Tell and supported that policy when your husband signed it into law, banning gay people from serving openly in the military, and that became a gay witch hunt where they just sought out people who were closeted and kicked them out of the military. You supported these policies. Now, people will contend that, well, because you marched in a gay pride parade, you're the first first lady to do so. You're actually our ally, and you've spoken out you know, at the UN for us. Uh, that's great, but I need uh, those words to be put into action. You were also the last person in the Democratic Party, basically, to come around to marriage equality in 2013. So when your daughter was getting married... At that time, you thought that gay people shouldn't have the same right as your daughter. You thought that they were less than your daughter, that they should be second class citizens. I just find that offensive. I'm sorry. So uh, even though you're trying to do revisionist history and pretend as though you're an ally to us, you've done more to harm us than help us. So even though you're pandering to us and paying us lip service and pretending to be an LGBT ally, you're going to have to actually put those words into action and do something to help us. Just because we have marriage equality doesn't mean the fight is over. There are still many states where you can be fired just because you're gay, lesbian, bisexual, or transgender. Are you going to propose legislation to stop that? I mean, it's just frustrating because she, she talks the talk, but Hillary Clinton doesn't walk the walk. If you look at her history, she's very much been against gay marriage.
0: Do you think New York State should recognize gay marriage? No. No? Okay.
1: I believe that marriage is not just a bond, but a
0: sacred bond between a man and a woman. Hillary Clinton. She'll say anything and change nothing.
1: Now, getting back to their scuffle, in response, uh, The Hill explains that the businessman in turn, Donald Trump, called on the former Secretary of State to return donations made to the Clinton Foundation from countries that punish and even kill those who come out as gay. Right there, Donald Trump is 100% correct. But here's the thing about that Donald Trump is no ally to the LGBT community, even though he came out and said that he would allow transgender people to use the bathroom of their choice, he's no friend to you.
0: I am not in favor of gay marriage. You sort of hesitate when you say that? No, I'm not, no, no. no. Any doubt or any- No, uh, no, I'm I'm just not in favor of gay marriage. I I live in New York. Uh, New York is uh, a place with lots of gays, and I think it's great, but I'm not in favor of gay marriage.
1: The problem is he said that he would consider appointing anti-gay Supreme Court justices who would overturn the landmark marriage equality ruling, so you would strip rights away from us. So he believes that he's an ally to us, but at the same time, he wants us to be second class citizens. He literally wants to take away our rights that we've fought for for decades. Yeah, you're no ally to the LGBT community, buddy, but he does actually have a point about Hillary Clinton taking money from these homophobic, misogynistic countries where they do enslave women, effectively, and where they kill gays. I mean, look at Saudi Arabia. Women aren't even allowed to drive, and if they want to leave their house, they have to have a man accompany them. That has to be either their brother, their son, or their father. They're basically children under family law in Saudi Arabia, and they're not the only country. So Hillary Clinton, the fact that she can take money from these people and then still claim to be in favor of women's rights— Well, that's just weird because you're in favor of women's rights at home, but not abroad. So do you support all women or do you not support all women? When you say women, I don't want you to just say you support women in the U.S. I want you to support women around the world because we're all human beings. I want you to support gay people around the world. So yeah, I do think that she should give back her money that she took from these anti-gay countries. But Donald Trump has no room to talk. So in the end, These guys are both hypocrites. They both have a bad history. Now, the thing is that Hillary Clinton is probably a little bit better on LGBT rights because I don't believe she would actually undo our progress, but I don't believe she would do anything to further our progress. Donald Trump, on the other hand, he would actually take us backwards. And if he did appoint a Supreme Court justice who's anti gay, like he said he would do, well, then that would be horrible. That would be so horrible for many people in states where, uh, marriage equality was not legal until the Supreme Court ruled that it was constitutional. So these guys are both jokes and it's just it's embarrassing watching them both uh, shame each other over who's the bigger ally to LGBT rights. Both of you are not an ally to the LGBT community. Get over yourselves. So for any of my longtime viewers, uh, you all know that I dislike both Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump very, very much, and I, I talk negatively about them. Uh, most of the time. If you go through the playlist that I have on uh, my channel, if you look at the Hillary Clinton and the Donald Trump playlist, you'll see that overwhelmingly the coverage that I have of them is negative, although there are some rare occasions where I actually do give them credit where I think credit is due. Now, as my channel grows, I'm realizing that my audience is really diverse. I have some Hillary Clinton supporters who subscribe because I am a liberal. Uh, I I talk about gay rights and whatnot. And also, uh, I have a lot of conservative Trump voters who subscribe because I talk negatively about Hillary Clinton. Now, with that being said, I'm not voting for either of them. I will be voting for Jill Stein. And as a YouTube host, I don't think that it's my job to tell you who to vote for or talk down to you like you're a child. I think that I should objectively present the facts to you and let you make your own decision. But because I think I'm in a good place to be overly objective because I do dislike both candidates equally uh, as a liberal, uh, I think that I really want to talk about how both of them are dangerous. Now, I've said before that I think Donald Trump is dangerous, and I also think that Hillary Clinton is dangerous, albeit to a lesser extent. I I try to refrain from saying that because when you do that, you omit the nuance. I don't want to suggest that Hillary Clinton is not dangerous because even though Donald Trump says a lot of really scary things, Hillary Clinton does a lot of scary things. And the problem is that, you know, out of sight, out of mind, the things that Hillary Clinton does— It's, you know, her her war hawkish policies that we don't have to see. It's, you know, out of sight, out of mind, like I said. But with Donald Trump, we'd see the discrimination and the bigotry. But, you know, just because we're not seeing it doesn't mean it's not happening. So Hillary Clinton's war hawkish policies makes her very dangerous as well. But at the same time, I want to go issue by issue and talk about why I feel both candidates are dangerous and just bad candidates overall. So when it comes to trade— so i would give hillary clinton a d and i would give donald trump a c plus now the reason is because uh hillary clinton has supported literally every disastrous trade deal uh and even though she came out against the tpp which is the only reason why i wouldn't give her an f well the state department is literally blocking tpp related emails from being released until after the election which gives us a clue that most likely she actually really does like the TPP, and maybe she said something like, well, you know, during the election, I'm going to say I'm against it, but uh, when it's all said and done, I will codify it into law. Who knows? Uh, but because of her rhetoric, um, she gets a D instead of an F. Now, Donald Trump only gets a C C+, uh, because, you know, he is against these trade deals. However, as a businessman, he's taken advantage of these trade deals time and again. His ties are manufactured in China. And so if you're going to talk the talk, I want you to walk the walk. So he would get an A if he actually took a principled stand and say, you know what? My business will not be manufacturing ties in China. We will not take advantage of NAFTA and manufacture our products in Mexico. I will actually be principled and manufacture our products here in America. There's nothing wrong with protectionist economic policies, but I want you to be consistent. So that's why he doesn't get an A. He gets a C plus because he has benefited from these deals. And I have no reason to believe that he won't get in office and pursue the same types of deals that will screw over the American people, ship our jobs overseas, all because it will benefit him and set him up when he gets out. So overall, when it comes to the issue of trade, Donald Trump is better than Hillary Clinton on trade, but I do not believe that he won't pursue deals like NAFTA, like the TPP, because he's a billionaire. Now, when it comes to social issues, Hillary Clinton gets a B minus, Donald Trump gets an F. Now, there's no doubt that Hillary Clinton is better on social issues, but she doesn't get an A. So when it comes to LGBT rights, in spite of her rhetoric, she's actually harmed the LGBT community. When she was first lady, she fought and lobbied for DOMA and Don't Ask, Don't Tell, which banned LGBT marriage at the federal level, and prohibited LGBT people from serving openly in the military. And she was one of the last people to come around to gay rights, and she's trying to rewrite history and pretend as though she actually cares about gay people, when in actuality, we know she doesn't really care about gay people. She's just pandering and paying us lip service. So even though she is better than Trump on that issue, she's not great. Now, she is in favor of abortion, and she isn't bigoted towards minorities and Muslims. Her policies, though, harm minorities and Muslims abroad. So when you commit war crimes and you vote for illegal wars, that hurts Muslims in Iraq, in Syria, in Afghanistan. And uh when you support bills when you were first lady that lead to mass incarceration that disproportionately impact Latinos and African Americans. That's bad. So even though you're you're good when it comes to rhetoric, we know you're not perfect, which is why she doesn't get an A. Now most importantly the reason why she gets a B plus is because her Supreme Court picks would presumably support social causes so I don't think that she would put anyone up that would repeal marriage equality. Now, when it comes to Donald Trump, he is in favor of allowing transgender people to use the bathroom of their choice, but he did say he would appoint Supreme Court justices who would overturn marriage equality. That's not acceptable, and yet he's claiming to be an LGBT ally too. I find that laughable. Furthermore, he is brazenly racist, and he has a history of racism. In the 1970s, he refused to rent to African Americans and was, was sued because of it. Furthermore, he called all Mexicans rapists, Uh, He wants to ban Muslims from entering and exiting the country. Uh, He's just a bigot. He also retweets white supremacist propaganda on Twitter. Uh, And look, he's ginning up fear against Muslims and uses uh, minorities as scapegoats. The list goes on. Donald Trump is horrible on social issues. And because of this, I think that this divisive rhetoric he uses would divide the country. So that's why he gets an F. Hillary Clinton is not perfect on social issues, but she is better than Donald Trump on this one particular issue. Now, when it comes to immigration... Hillary Clinton gets a C-, minus. Donald Trump gets an F. Now, Hillary Clinton was previously in favor of building a wall. She doesn't want to allow Central American immigrant children who are refugees from coming into the country, uh, and that's bad. That's why she can't get full credit, because even though she supports immigration reform and she says she'll actually put forth immigration reform in her first 100 days as president— I don't believe her. Obama was espousing the same type of rhetoric before he got into office and he ended up deporting more undocumented immigrants than George Bush. You know, that's, that's Obama's legacy, but I would not be surprised if Hillary Clinton did the same thing, so I don't believe her. And when it comes to Trump, well, I'm a progressive and he wants to deport all 11 million undocumented immigrants. That's not something I'm in favor of, so to me he gets an F. I'm in favor of giving them citizenship, not a path to citizenship. I think if you've been in the country for a certain amount of years, you work, you pay your taxes, you're a citizen today. It's over. You're a citizen. You can vote everything. No limited pseudo-citizenship where you can work here and stay here, but you can't vote. None of that. You're a full citizen if you are contributing to our society. And of course, we do reform so that way if you actually want to move here legally, it's easier for you to migrate here. It's not just impossible and ridiculous so that way you have an incentive to cross the border illegally. So, economic issues. I give Hillary Clinton a C and Donald Trump an F. Now, Clinton implied that she would give, quote, incentives to companies that treat workers fairly, i.e. tax breaks, which is, of course, a Republican plan. She was also on the board of Walmart, and I don't trust that she's not going to get the office and give away large tax breaks to billionaires in the elite class. Now, furthermore, Donald Trump's tax plan is just a straight-up giveaway to the rich. So even though Hillary Clinton isn't admitting that she's going to do it, Donald Trump doesn't even hide it. His tax plan is a giveaway to the rich. She at least wants to raise the minimum wage. Even though it's only to $12 an hour, Donald Trump actually said that the wages are too high and wouldn't raise the minimum wage. Okay, you're not the best on this issue. On the issue of net neutrality, I give Hillary Clinton a C- and Donald Trump an F. So Hillary Clinton allegedly supports net neutrality, but her biggest donors are Time Warner, Comcast, and these are companies who have a vested interest in, uh, preventing the net from remaining neutral. They want monopolies to create fast lanes. So because of her donors, I can't trust her that she's actually going to pursue policies that would keep our internet free and open. But Donald Trump, he's outright against net neutrality. He said that Obama's new FCC rules constituted a government takeover. Okay, ridiculous. When it comes to foreign policy, I give both Hillary and Trump an F. Now, that may be surprising because Donald Trump hasn't voted for any wars or anything, and I'll tell you why, and you can you can disagree with that, but this is my reasoning. So, Hillary Clinton, she gets an F because she literally has not found a war she doesn't disagree with. I mean, she voted for the Iraq War. She wants a Syrian no-fly zone. She pushed Obama to intervene in Libya. She wants to overthrow Assad. She wants to ramp up attacks on ISIS. She is a neoconservative through and through, and her policies, her war hawkish policies— have led to the deaths of many, many citizens. They've led to the deaths of citizens in numerous countries, and that's wrong. But with that being said, Donald Trump literally said he would target civilians. He would target the families of ISIS. That is completely unacceptable. He said the Geneva Conventions were a problem. Again, not acceptable. I would never vote for someone who says that. Furthermore, he said he would do nothing about nuclear proliferation. So he would allow our allies like Saudi Arabia and Japan to build nuclear weapons and he wouldn't try to impose sanctions on them or tell them not to do that. I'm a non-interventionist and a pacifist, but if somebody's going to build nuclear weapons... You can bet your ass I'm going to speak out against it if I was the president, and he doesn't want to do that. And the most scary thing about Donald Trump is that he said he would not take using nuclear weapons off the table to defeat ISIS. Okay, that's just, you're, you're never going to get my vote because of that, ever. So even though it's the case that he never voted for any of these wars, by saying that, by saying you would consider using nuclear weapons... You're just not viable. You're not viable at all. And the media has not covered this. Now, furthermore, he claims to be against the Iraq war, but he only came out against it shortly after he was in favor of it on the Howard Stern show. He said that he supported the Iraq war or alluded to his support for the Iraq war. You can disagree with that, but he's a liar. I don't believe him. Now, when it comes to corruption and transparency, I give Hillary Clinton an F. And Donald Trump a D plus. So Hillary Clinton gets an F because she's taken money from basically every special interest in existence. Uh, she's changed positions on policies like universal health care after taking money from the health insurance industry. Uh, she has given uh, weapons deals to foreign donors of the Clinton Foundation. We have evidence of overt corruption. Quid pro quos, she's just corrupt. There's no way around it. We can't sugarcoat it. We can't say it seems like she's corrupt. We can just come out and say it directly. Hillary Clinton is corrupt, one of the most corrupt politicians in the country. She also won't release her transcripts. But the reason why Trump gets a D plus is because he refuses to release his tax returns. Now he's also now taking money from billionaire donors such as Sheldon Adelson. He's going to meet with the Koch brothers to beg for money. So he rails against money in politics, but he would be a puppet just like everyone else. And the fact that he's allowing Sheldon Adelson to bankroll his presidential campaign, that is corruption. We should not allow elites to buy our politicians and buy these elections. So, he's corrupt too. He may be less corrupt than Hillary Clinton, but make no mistake about it, he's still corrupt. He's also a con artist, so he's being sued over Trump University for good reason. It's a for-profit university that just rips people off. So, he's a slimy businessman, so he's also corrupt. They're both bad on this. Now, when it comes to the media, Hillary Clinton gets an F. And Donald Trump also gets an F. So Hillary Clinton's donors are the parent companies of mainstream media outlets. They do propaganda for her, and that's not okay. You're supposed to hold public officials accountable, not collude with them. And that's what's happening. Also, we have Clinton campaign operatives pretending. They, they go on these CNN shows and MSNBC shows, and they pretend to be neutral Democratic strategists. And they praise Hillary Clinton, and say she's running a wonderful campaign. And then they throw Bernie Sanders under the bus. And come to find out, people like Stephanie Cutter, who has done this, well, Precision Strategies, her company, is literally on the Clinton payroll. Now, when it comes to Donald Trump, he's literally threatened to bring back libel laws so he can sue people who talk smack about him. He is suing Bill Maher for making fun of him. He has banned many media outlets, such as The Washington Post and The Daily Beast. And look, these are just pseudo-journalism outlets. They're not great, but to ban them? That shows that you are not going to play ball with the media and being president means you have to be transparent and be accountable and you have to allow the media to hold you accountable. That's why we have the First Amendment allowing for a free media. So if he's not going to do that and not allow the media to perform freely, that's horrible. You get an F. And furthermore, just me personally, look, as I gain more notoriety on YouTube, I get worried about, you know, the waves that I make. Do I worry that Hillary Clinton will try to shut me down? No way. I've talked so much shit about Hillary Clinton, uh, and I haven't been, you know, uh, messaged by her campaign telling me to cut it out and whatnot. No threats. Uh, But with Donald Trump, I'm legitimately worried that he would try to sue me because I talk shit about him. I shouldn't have to worry about this in a democracy. Uh, So, you know what? I might actually bump up Hillary Clinton's score because of that. So, probably a D- for Hillary Clinton and an F for Donald Trump. Uh, Now, getting to climate change, I give Hillary Clinton a C- and Donald Trump and F. So, the positive is that Hillary Clinton doesn't at least believe in climate change. However, <laughs> she uh, supports fracking, which contributes to climate change. Uh, she's taking money from uh, the fossil fuel industry, their lobbyists that are bundling their contributions to her super PACs, and she's lying about it. So, because of her donors, I have no reason to believe she's actually going to do anything. She's put forth no real plan to combat climate change so she gets a C because I don't believe her, but that whole grade is based on her just saying climate change is real. Trump gets an F because he literally believes climate change is a hoax invented by the Chinese. That's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard in my life. Now, overall, when it comes to authenticity, um, these are just side notes. I'm not going to give them scores for this because this is less substantive. Well, I believe that Trump actually says what's on his mind. I don't believe anything Hillary Clinton says. Uh, So I'd give Trump a plus right there because even though he says stupid things, he's actually speaking in his mind. Hillary Clinton, she won't speak about a political issue unless it's uh, it's gone through focus groups, unless, you know, she looks at the polls. And I think that that's so disingenuous. I dislike that so much. That's why so many people dislike fake politicians. So he gets a great—he gets some— plus points for authenticity now overall hillary clinton would get about a d average maybe a d plus average trump would get an f average because he has so many f's uh so the conclusion is that these are both terrible candidates these are both candidates that would be dangerous for the country so yes even though it's the case that hillary clinton would be dangerous to a lesser extent overall you really have to dive in and look at the details uh, and see where these two candidates differ there's not too much difference between them. Uh, and this is shocking because she's potentially the nominee of the Democratic Party. She's their presumptive nominee, and Donald Trump is a maniac. But if you really look at her past policies, she's dangerous. They're both dangerous. Now, thankfully, you have more options. You have Jill Stein and Gary Johnson. You don't have to vote for them. And I'm not going to tell you who to vote for. But if you agree with me that these two people are very dangerous, There are other options and you don't have to vote for them. I get, you know, the strategy. If you're voting for Hillary Clinton in a swing state or if you're voting for Donald Trump just to protest against Hillary Clinton, whatever you want to do, that's fine. But just know that, you know, these are both dangerous candidates. And I know that some liberals may disagree with uh, what I'm saying because they'll say, look, Hillary Clinton is going to be basically like a third term of Obama. I disagree with that. I think she's way more conservative than Obama, and I already think Obama is conservative. He's a centrist to center-right politician. Hillary Clinton is just right-wing. If you look at her political compass scores, she's in the right-wing authoritarian quadrant, and she's not too far off from Donald Trump. Uh, and that shows when you look at her policies. So, look, I if I had to give uh, Jill Stein and Gary Johnson scores, I'd give Jill Stein an A, and I would give uh, Gary Johnson a B B+. Because I probably agree more with Gary Johnson... I do with Hillary Clinton and he's a libertarian. I very much disagree with libertarians and the libertarian philosophy but at least he is not in favor of these wars that are just so destructive that diminish our image overseas and you know internationally so look the conclusion is that both Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump are both dangerous Uh, and when I say Hillary Clinton is a little bit less dangerous than Trump Uh, this is what I mean by it. When you look at different issues, she is better than him on some issues, but there's nuance. He's better than her on certain issues, but when they're better than each other, they're not great. So, I mean, in the end, they're both terrible candidates, both very dangerous. That's my opinion. You guys are more than welcome to disagree with this, but this is just my take as a progressive. I'm pretty far left. I'd consider myself a social Democrat, and look, that's my take. Well, that's all I got for you guys. I want to thank everyone for tuning in so loyally every single week, and I want to thank you if you've made it to this part of the episode for putting up with me trying to struggle to speak and pronounce words clearly and uh it's it's tough um but hopefully this will get better and I'll get used to me having braces and it won't feel so foreign and strange in the coming weeks and episodes so if you know it was a little bit difficult to understand me I apologize hopefully it'll get better I think it will um (laughs) But I'm gonna go rest and uh, eat some refried beans and try not to vomit. So I will see you guys next week. Thanks for watching.